Good morning. I hope that uh, that last song we sang, all of them, but I hope especially that last song you were really listening to those words that goes directly with what we'll be talking about this morning. In fact, if you would take your Bible and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And um, for those of you that can do two things at a time, that's not me, but if you can, I just want to, if you are a grandparent or a great-grandparent, would you raise your hand? All right, look at all these grandparents. Well, happy National Grandparents Day. I don't know if that's the government or what, but did you know that every day of the world, it's a national something day? Like, what part of the government gets paid that to come up with that deal, you know? But today is Grandparents Day. And becoming a grandparent, I'm, I'm grateful for this holiday. Um, I haven't seen uh, any special, like, gifts or anything for that. But if you are, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to be one. I want to encourage you when you leave today, if you are a grandparent, go by. There's a little cart right outside those middle doors, and it has something from the Faith at Home Center, and it's a pointer that um, our elders have put together, and it is called Influencing Grandchildren. And I would encourage you to go by and get one. If you have grandparents, uh, I would encourage you to pick one up and give to them. And it's not like, here, you could do a better job. Here's some instruction. Don't do that. But just encourage them uh, because on the back, there are a couple of resources. And they are there because I have personally read these. And I want to encourage you as a grandparent that you would pick these two books up and read them. One is called Extreme Grandparenting. That does not mean you have to learn extreme sports to be, keep up like with your grandchildren, all right? But it's called Extreme Grandparenting, and the other is called Stepping Up, A Call to Courageous Manhood. And so for grandfathers, that's especially for you. But I want to encourage you to get that because many of you, if you would say something about your grandparent, it was because they prayed for you, and that's why you're a follower of Jesus, or that your grandparents were really influential in your life for the cause of Christ. And the deal is, because you're a grandparent, you still can have incredible influence in your children's life. The book will also help you to realize there are boundaries for grandparents. So that might be the negative part. You might rip that part of the book out, I don't know. But as grandparents, we do have some boundaries. But if we would do what God has called us to do as grandparents, it would be an incredible thing. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you have 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to read 9 to 12. And so, giving you a little reprieve, I want you, if you will, stand with me. We'll read these passages together. Starting in verse 9, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Verse 11. And to aspire to live a quiet life, to mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So let's pray together. I wonder, you got your heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder if your prayer would just be, yes. Like to the Lord. Like, whatever you're going to say to me today, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and already say yes. To whatever you speak, I'm going to do that. And Lord, for me, more than anybody, I pray that I will take what you say in these few words, and I'd be living them out. I'd live them out to the utmost. I pray that your spirit would empower me. I pray that empower every person in this room that's your child to live out what you're saying to us through your word this morning. I pray that for those at home, or if they're in a different room, they'd realize they're right here with us as well, and that you're speaking to them just as well that they are to take these things and start living them. I pray for if someone is listening or if 
there in this very room. They've never come to follow you. I pray today they would hear your voice and they would say yes and they would become your child. And so God, today we give this to you and we ask this in your holy name. Amen. may be seated. So if you've been here for the past two weeks, uh, Pastor Marty has been preaching on holy living. And it's interesting that Paul, as he's writing here, right after holy living, he begins to tell you and I that you and I are to be abundantly loving. And you know that is the absolute truth, right? Because holy living must come before abundant loving or loving with a pure heart, right? Because if you and I are not living holy lives, the love that we either give to our spouse, our children, the love that we're supposed to communicate to our neighbors and to the world, it will not be what it should be. Are you tracking with me? If a person's not living a holy life, you will not be loving holy to other people. And so if you have not heard those messages, go back and hear them again. In fact, if you've heard them, go ahead and hear them again. That's for all of us, because if you and I are to be loving like we're supposed to be loving, you and I must be living like we're supposed to be living, and that is what? Living holy in a godless, unholy world. And that's what you and I need to be doing. We're to be living a holy life. And that's why Paul, he starts right off then in verse 9, and he says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So where has he said that? So Jesus said these words, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, here's what's interesting about the first verse there, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you're to love one another. Is that a new commandment? Like that's been there for a long, long time, right? But it is a new commandment because Jesus puts a, a preface to it. What's the preface? Just as I have loved you. In other words, you and I, maybe we've been thinking we've been loving to others. And Jesus comes along and he raises the bar and says, Oh, take your definition of love and throw it out the window. Because here's what, how you're to love one another. Just as I have loved you. There's a statement you could camp on for a long time. Because here's the deal. Did Jesus take the initiative towards you? Or did you first take the initiative towards Jesus? Yeah, Jesus took the first initiative. You and I would never step towards Christ. In fact, it will never be, hey, listen, when it's a good time and I feel like it, when I've gone and done everything I want to do in my life, then I'm going to come to Jesus. You and I only come to Jesus because he what? Takes the first step. Takes the initiative. Uh, were we good before Jesus took the step towards us? No. So the thing is, you and I are to love one another, not like the world. Hey, listen, I'll, um, I'll return back after you give to me. Is that Christian love? No, it's you never give to me, but I go ahead and give to you. I go ahead and initiate. And what? I don't expect anything in return. Now, it's never good to tell that person that. Listen, I don't expect anything in return because I know you won't. Uh, okay, that's not a good way to do it. But it's like you do it and you're never expecting anything in return because that's how Jesus loves. He loves no matter what. That's, so that's you and I. And so Paul says to them, listen, you don't need to be taught this. Jesus has already said this. And here's another reason they don't have to be taught. Because in the Bible, it's real clear, as a believer, something different has happened. In fact, would you read this with me? God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we love other people. Why? Because the Spirit of God has come to live within us. 
He has changed us. We are loving people. If you want to know, hey, what's, I mean, how do I know I'm a believer? Well, there's one right there. You love other people because the Spirit of God has been poured into your hearts. That's why if you're not living a holy life, you grieve and you quench the Holy Spirit and you don't love like you should be loving other people. That's why a holy life is just incredibly important so we don't grieve the Spirit of God so that He can do His work in us that we can love other people like we should love. And so he's saying to them, listen, you don't have to be told that. In fact, look at verse 10. For that indeed is what you're doing, all the brothers, to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Macedonia, it's a war-torn territory, very impoverished. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about them, that they were extremely suffering. They were in incredible poverty. And Paul's saying, listen, you're loving those people. I'm hearing about it. Other reports are coming in. People in Macedonia are telling me about your love towards them. In fact, here's just a few verses. Maybe as you've read through the scriptures, you've wondered like, hey, what do these really mean? How do they apply? Well, the Thessalonians, new believers filled with the Spirit of God, they were loving people. In fact, they were carrying this out. In Proverbs 24, 11, it says, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to slaughter. What's that talking about? I mean, there are people in our world who need rescuing. Poverty, lostness, the culture that they're in. Did you know there are still slaves today? Did you know there are still children that are slaves today? Did you know there are people that need rescued today? And yet... You and I are to be doing, this is what the Thessalonians were doing. They were loving, they were rescuing other people. Here's another passage. In Job 29, I love this one. In fact, it wasn't until I read a particular book, it's on a resource in your notes, Love Does, by a guy named Bob Goff. And he helped me understand, hey, what's Job talking about? Job says here, I was eyes to the blind. And feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. And here's what I love. I searched out the cause of him who I did not know. So think about that a moment. If you and I are not careful, even as a believer, we will just love people within certain walls. But as a believer, you and I are to be thinking way past the walls, right? We live in a world, hear me, millions, billions of people in our world are lost. They live in other places. Some live across the street from us. Some of them we work across the desk from. But the thing is, when it says, I searched out the cause of him I did not know, you and I, that's the love that the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives, that we would begin to think and pray for and search out people we don't even know. That's why you ought to read like books that talk about other places in the world. You ought to get on websites like the Joshua Project where it talks about every day an unreached people group in the world. In fact, this morning that people group was in another part of the country. There's about 500,000 of these people. They're literally called the people without a choice. In other words, you're born in a particular religion and there's, you don't have any choice. You're going to be that religion and you're going to die that religion. Because if you change your religion, you're going to die because you switched from the religion you grew up in. And there are people around the world who suffer. And the way our world is now, some of those people live in our state. Some of those people we rub shoulders with that still have that. And so you and I do that. So the Thessalonians, they were doing that. They were also doing this. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. 
So, yeah, contribute to the needs of the saints, but seek to show hospitality literally means to find those who are without Christ and show them hospital, hospitality. Show them Christian hospitality. Non-believers need to see believers living it out. In fact, on there, if you will, go to chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Here Paul just reminds them of a few things. So that you become an example to all the believers, again in Macedonia and Achaia. But not only has the word of the Lord sounded from you in Macedonia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. In other words, we're coming along and share the gospel. It's already been shared because you're doing it. In chapter 3, verse 6, but now that Timothy has come to us from you, he has brought us good news of your faith and love. Like Timothy's come back, man, these people are getting it. They are loving people. In chapter 3, verse 12, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. So look at verse 10, the last part of it, there in chapter 4. He's saying, you're already doing it. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Now, isn't that interesting? He's already just gave them an incredible praise that they are loving people outside of their walls and outside of their, you know what I'm saying, they're loving people. Isn't it interesting that he says, but I, I want to urge you to love more and more. It's like, hey, I know you're loving, but do more of it. I mean, how would you like, you know, your spouse to come up to you and go, you know, you're loving, but could you be more loving? Or maybe you've already had that, right? So the thing is, it's just interesting, isn't it, that you should love more. In fact, here's what's interesting about love more and more. It literally means to superabound, like superabound. Here's another way to put it. You are to stretch out to your limits in loving people. Why would Paul say, I've heard about you loving, but keep doing more and more? Here's one idea. For every one of them and every one of us, we have this like love gauge, and this is about as far as we'll go. I do. Like to be loving to others that maybe I don't know as well. Here's this love level, and that's about as far as I'm going to go. And so what is Paul or the Holy Spirit saying to Paul to them and to you and I? Whatever your level of like, this is where I stop at loving, throw that out the window, please. Because you need to love more and more. Whatever your gauge, whatever your definition of, hey, this is being sacrificial loving, guess what? It can be more. Whatever you have deemed to be your level or comfort zone of loving, you're to do more. He's saying that to them. He's saying that to you and I. You and I are to be doing that. He might be saying it because these folks, they're hearing about Jesus returning. And so some of their mindsets might be, hey, listen, Jesus is right around the corner. So he'll take care of those people who are in great need uh, whenever he comes again. And so I'm just going to like live it easy or I'm going to go live up on a mountain and sell everything I have. And I'm just going to wait for Jesus and he'll take care of it. Maybe that was some of their thoughts. Maybe it's some of our thoughts that like, hey, listen, there are other people who's going to do it. I don't have to do that. Or it could be, listen, I did that for a long time. Now it's time for you younger people to take over. And like, I get to retire. I'm not talking about if you're retired, okay? But I get to retire from loving like I really should and let somebody else do it kind of a thing. And so maybe that's what Paul is saying to them. Maybe it's this also, because, let me go back, because this particular verse, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples because you come to church every Sunday morning. 
And for those of you that are old enough, you came on Sunday night and Wednesdays, you get like the upper deck of heaven because of that. I mean, for us now, we only have Sunday morning, like you're just stuck with like just the normal heaven, you know, kind of a deal. Um, is that what this is? Like as many Bible verses as you've memorized, this is how people are going to know. And out of a particular translation, they'll really know, Right? Read this with me. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And it's not the love that you deem to be, this is what love is. It's what Jesus says. This is what love is. So, if you haven't kind of got it, of these few verses, the central theme is what? Love more and more. Keep stretching it out more and more. Like wherever you deem, in fact, maybe on your notes, if you would take your pen and you would write, this is where I think my love is right now. It's right like at a seven. Because, you know, no one wants to put it at a five because that's mediocre. And no one wants to put out a 10, that's like at Jesus, right? So if it's a 7, can it go up? Yep. It can go up. And it needs to go up. In fact, if you will, look on your notes. There's a quote. I want you to see this particular quote. It's by a guy named Tripp. His last name's Tripp. Listen to what it says. Love is making... A daily commitment to grow in love so that the love you offer to another is increasingly selfless, mature, and patient. That goes right along with what Paul just said, right? Love more and more. You and I, we need to make a daily commitment. Have you ever, like, in your quiet time, if you do it in the morning, or maybe you do it at night, like, hey, tomorrow, God, help me that my love would grow more and more and more. And mind you, if you pray this, that love that he will give you will be a fuzzy feeling that you will just instantly love people. It's like when you pray for patience. Isn't that amazing? You pray for patience and you instantly get it, right? <laughs> Who gets that? Has anybody ever done that? Please come up here and you finish this, all right? If you ask God to help you to love more and more today, help me, God, that my love would grow more selfless, mature. Is it going to be a fuzzy feeling? No. It's going to be someone like you that comes into your life and just creeps you out. You're going to like, what's up with this? And the deal is, it's not going to be the fuzzy feeling. He's going to put you in situations where you're going to have to what? Stretch further than you ever have before. That, hey, I, I only like to hang around these people because I can love them pretty good. But all those other people that are a little wonky, I don't have that. And yet, he brings wonky people into your life that are probably a lot like you. And you have to stretch a little more to love them. Here's one of the reasons you and I have to make a commitment. Rely on the Spirit of God that we would grow more and more. You know why? Because we can get in a rut. You and I can get in a rut. You know what that's like? Are you, don't answer. You don't have to say amen. Don't poke the person next to you. But like, is there any area of your life you're in a rut? Is it pretty easy to get in a rut? I mean, you get in a rut, it's pretty easy. You don't even have to steer anymore, right? You just kind of like go with the rut. And what happens with the rut is maybe that particular thing that you used to do to express love to someone, like it worked, okay? You can, if you're husband, wife, or whatever. So like, this particular thing worked. Like you took her to, to that restaurant, and man, it was awesome. And so you've been taking her to that same restaurant for the last hundred years. She doesn't like that food anymore, I'm just telling you. 
But like it worked one time and you're like, oh, I think it just keeps on working, you know, kind of a deal. And what happens is a rut happens when maybe something was successful one time, but you never took time to think about it, to evaluate it, to ask, is this still effective? It's like sharing your faith. Listen, there's not another gospel. Don't get me wrong. But like, is there maybe a different way you could share it? Like maybe you're in the rut. I, here's my, here was my rut as a new believer. The guy who discipled me, this was kind of his thing, so I would do it. And it was pretty much, you just kind of start talking, and you instantly go, are you going to heaven or hell? And then it just like was right to the throat. And I have to tell you, uh, not many people responded very well with that. But then I started learning how to do it a little nicer, and it became a little more effective. So that's my commercial next week. If you're in a rut in sharing your faith, I, I encourage you to be here next week. In fact, be here at 9 o'clock here. If you don't go to ABF, I'd encourage you to come because Dave Robinson will be in here. And this next weekend, he's going to help us to maybe refresh how we share our faith and the gospel with other people. But the truth is, every one of us can be in a rut. Because you know this is true, time, if you just let time, you're in this rut, and you allow time just to go by, you know what happens with time, right? Time erodes your awareness. I'm saying this for your, even you and I's age. I mean, even at my age. Time erodes my awareness of other people's needs, of how I need to be with other people. And so time goes by, and I just keep staying in the same rut. I'm not loving more and more. I'm just in a rut, and it's not effective anymore. In fact, right here, without honest, timely feedback or evaluation, right? What used to be effective, it just becomes dull, and so maybe with your neighbor that you're living out your faith and you're sharing your faith with, maybe it's become a rut. Maybe it needs to be some feedback. Maybe you need to talk to someone. If you're a teacher, if you're a friend, man, in every area of life, in your marriage, in how you parent, take some time. And don't let just time go by and erode your awareness, but maybe ask some people and ask some people who love you that will really tell you the truth. Like, don't ask someone, they're just going to go, that was a great job, just keep doing what you're doing. When you stink at it, you need to like have a real friend that go, hey, listen, that was terrible how you just did that. I love you. What? The wounds of a friend, Right? An enemy, he just gives kisses, Proverbs says. A friend, man, he'll tell you. She'll tell you. You and I need friends who will do what? Honest and timely. You know what timely means? A year from now, I don't need to have someone say, listen, you know that sermon you preached on the 13th? That stunk. That's not going to help me in a year. I'm not even going to remember you in a year, okay? So the deal is, the thing is, I need it timely and it needs to be honest, because hear me, it'll become dull. It means in every area of you and I's life. I have a question. Uh, on your piece of paper, on your worship guide, I want you to write this, okay? Write this. What is the difference between these two words? Trick question, I know. It's really going to be difficult. I'm just giving you a warning. It's very difficult. So what's the difference between these two words? I just want you to write it. Would anyone like to talk in church? The difference between these two words is what? Extra. There you go. Extra. If you and I don't watch out in how we love other people, our families, people who don't know Christ, we just become ordinary. And you might be the person that goes, hey, that, I don't want to be, I just want to be ordinary. Well, I, I have to be honest. Uh, stop being ordinary. 
okay? There's enough ordinary people in the world. Ordinary people are just dull. Extraordinary. As a follower of Christ, you and I ought to be what? We ought to be extraordinary. I didn't say extra weird. Extra like different in the weird way. But you and I ought to be extraordinary. Extraordinary means what? You take a little extra time. Not in such a hurry. Maybe a little extra or uh, inquiring, asking questions. Taking time to be a little extra creative. Uh, Maybe you see someone and you're like, I just need to talk to them because to me, how they're living, how they're loving their family, how they're loving their spouse, how they're loving their neighbor. I, I see or hear them about at their work. Like they're just a little extra. Maybe you just need to go talk with them and say, hey, tell me about your life. Tell me because I see a little extraordinary in your life. What is that? And honestly, it probably won't be a big, huge thing like For most of us, we think, oh, I'm going to have to make this huge change in my life. It might be just this one little tweak that's a little extra that would just make the entire difference. In fact, extraordinary might be that you speak a few extra fewer words. It's amazing in Proverbs, so many times it says, in the abundance of words... There's transgression. And many of you are going, well, you probably need to stop preaching right now because you're getting right about there. So the thing is, it might just be a tweak somewhere to be extraordinary. In fact, I want you to read this with me. And on your piece of, on your worship guide, I want you to write something, okay? So read this with me. Love is only as sincere as the effort put forth to express it. So... I want you what you think like the central main word of that sentence is. Just write it down. What do you think that in that sentence, love is only as sincere as the effort put forth to express it. What do you think like in that sentence, what do you think like the what do you think like the central thing is? What what do you think the whoever wrote this what do you think that is? Does anyone want to say it? Hopefully you wrote it down. Anyone want to say it? What do you think the central word of that is? Effort. Effort. Love is only as sincere as the effort you and I put into it to express it. Because if you and I don't watch out, we'll get in a rut... Time will wear down our awareness, and we have stopped loving because we only go this far. Because that's our comfort zone when it comes to loving other people. And yet, now there's no more effort. It's been put on automatic. We are just cruising along and sometimes in a rut. And yet, there needs to be even more effort. You probably know the story behind when Jesus said... Whenever someone compels you to go the second mile, or some of your translations say the extra mile, you probably know what the story, right? The story is Romans could make a young man who, a Jew, take their pack and armor and shield and whatever and carry it for a mile. That was like a law. And so after time, the Jews, they thought they were getting smart because this just uh, made them irate, like... Someone making me do something that I don't want to do. In fact, I hate these people, and they're making me do this. So they would put up mile markers. So as you're driving down the highway, you go, well, that's where that came from. I don't know if that's where that came from. But anyway, they would put up these mile markers. And so here the young man would pick up the guys, and he's looking for the mile marker. And when he comes to his required place, the law said this is your requirement, This is where you would throw it down and run off, maybe cussing at the Roman soldier. And Jesus says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Whenever they compel you, it's a requirement for you to go one mile, go the second. 
And guess what? The third mile will probably become easier because this was a requirement. But now this second mile is what? Your choice. You have chosen out of love for Christ and love for this person. You have chosen to go an extra, a third, a fourth. And can you imagine someone who is always used to being cussed out, anger towards and when the mile came, they were just getting ready for it. And the guy just keeps on walking. And now he's talking with them. And after the third mile or whatever, he's like, hey, listen, you don't have to do this anymore. Hey, it's okay. I want to do this. And then the conversation that would come from such an act of love. And the deal is, every one of us in this room can go from what's expected in your home, at your work, in your neighborhood, you and I can just, that's what I expected. Or you and I can go up to what's unexpected. We could go from like just being unremarkable, because that sounds pretty humble, right? I just want to be unremarkable. Or you could step it up a notch and be remarkable. Like it would catch their attention. You're not doing it so they'd go, what a great person. You do it for other reasons. We'll get to that in a moment. Here's my last little one-liner, and that is break the script. You know what that means, break the script? Because if you don't watch out, you'll get in a rut, and you just keep doing the same script. You just keep doing it. And maybe you need to break the script. So I'm going to give you this, uh, this story. When our three girls were little, I just heard someone talk uh, about something like what we're talking about this morning. And it really convicted me because i just become ordinary. I was a young dad. I didn't know anything. Um, and so I just heard this. I thought, hey, I, we might do this. And it worked for us because we didn't have any money. So it didn't take a lot of money. And so, probably like you, our, our kids had a bedtime, and we would put them to bed, and we would do all the things, and we put them to bed, and we waited about five minutes, and Sherry and I ran into the bedroom, flipped on the light. That's when we all lived in a two-bedroom home, and all three of our children lived in one bedroom. And we ran in the room, and we said, get up, we got to go. And they're in their pajamas, and they're like, what? You know, the house on fire. No, we got to go. And we ran them out into the vehicle, and we went down to Dairy Queen, and we went in, and they're in their pajamas, and we had ice cream. What did we do? Broke the script. Now, for all you kids, that might not work tonight, all right? You might hold that card for another time. Here's the blessing of it. They gave me a few more ideas. We did things periodically. I mean, you don't do that thing every night, right? Then it becomes just ordinary. Here's the cool thing. Not too long ago, my granddaughter said, Papa, guess what we did the other night? Me and Asher went to bed, and Mom and Dad came and got us up and went to Brahms. Deal is, just a little extra. It's just a not expected. The break the script. It might be in your marriage, in your home. It might be with your neighbor. It has become such a routine and a rut. And so my saying to that is just use a little bit of randomness every now and then. It might catch them on guard. Isn't that what God does for you and I? Have you ever been caught off guard by God? I mean, life's going along so-so, and then all of a sudden, God throws something in there, and at the moment, it stunk. It's like, why would this ever happen? Why would this ever happen? I can't believe this happened. This is the worst thing that has ever happened in my life. And then as a little time goes by, you look back and you realize God was in the middle of every bit of that. And it turned out to be one of the greatest things in your 
life because he just catches us off guard at times. Now, Paul had in mind a certain demonstration and the reason why. If you look at verse 11, because he says you need to love more and more and to aspire, it means consider this one of the most honorable things you could do in your life. In other words, aspire to live quietly. In other words, don't cause a bunch of social conflict. You know, nowadays, you and I don't even have to make it in person. We can make conflict on a thing called Facebook. Paul would be talking to you and I in our time right now. On whatever social media it is, live a quiet life. Not everything, this is in my notes, this is a freebie. Not everything needs to have a comment about it. So just take that back to our passage. Live quietly to mind your own affairs and to work with your own hands as we instructed you to. Some of these believers back to Jesus coming, you know what they did? Jesus is coming. Quit my job. Go live on a hill and wait for him. They had stopped working. In fact, they had become dependent on their family, paying their bills as they're off looking for Jesus. In fact, also, in this particular culture, it was only the slaves who did manual work. And so it's like, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't need to do this anymore. And yet Paul says, listen, I gave you an example. In fact, if you will, look at chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 9. Paul himself, when he came to be with them, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that you might not be a burden, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Back to chapter 4, verse 12. Here's why you and I are to live like this, love like this, so that you may walk or live properly before outsiders, people outside of Jesus, so that you might live your life properly. In other words, God-honoring life before those without Jesus. You know, Jesus one day said, hey, what good is it that you love your friends? They're just going to love you back, right? But I'm telling you, you're to love your enemies that can't even pay you back. In fact, they probably will pay you back in another way. But you're to love them. That's the honorable thing. Through the Holy Spirit, he tells us through 1 Peter, hey, what good is it that whenever you're punished for good, you just take it? But, man, when you're punished and you take it and you reflect Jesus, that. So Paul's saying to them that their lives were to reflect the difference that knowing Jesus brings in your daily living, your family, your work, because the Scripture is inspired by God, it's not just to them, it's to you and I today, that our lives are what? To reflect the difference that knowing Jesus brings in our daily living, our family life, how we work. How you work is so important. In fact, I'm just setting up Marty for his next message. How you work is so important. How you do your work, who you do your work for. Are you just ordinary in your work? Do you do what's just expected? Or are you remarkable in your work? Do you do more than is expected? Are you just ordinary at your work? Or are you extraordinary? In our work and in our neighboring, you'll hear that a lot next week. Because you and I in our neighborhoods, it's your mission field, whether you realize it or not. I have some lines on your paper. I want you to just to answer these for you. Just write it down. Answer this for you. Holy living must come before abundant love 
The question is, are you? Are you living a holy life so that you can love purely? Is there a secret area of your life that if it was exposed today, you would be ashamed of before God and everybody else who knew it? Because I can tell you from personal that if there's an area of your life that is impure, you are not loving how you should be. In any area of life you want to name, is there an area that you need to confess, forsake? Is there an area you need to talk to someone about? Is there an area that, like, I just need to talk to someone about this? How can I overcome this particular thing? We're not talking about just men. We're talking about women nowadays as well. Is there an area where you're not living a holy life so that you can live? If so, do something about it. Number two, love is making a daily commitment to grow in love so that the love you offer another is increasingly selfless, mature, and patient. And the question is, are you? Are we? Am I? Are you daily making a fresh commitment to love more and more? Is there a person, is there a type of person that your love stops here and it needs to go way further? Is there? Number three, with whom do you need to be extraordinary in your family, in your neighborhood, the person you work with. I mean, the person you work with, they hear you cuss. They don't know you go to church. They don't even know you're a believer. Maybe there's even someone you need to work with, even a neighbor that like, hey, um, I have not been the neighbor that I'm supposed to be and ask forgiveness. Start being the neighbor you're to be. Here's the last one. We started out with this verse, right? God has what? God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Honestly, honestly ask, has that happened? Has the Spirit of God come into your life? You know how that happens. It only happens when you realize you're not a follower of Jesus. You have never submitted to His will, His call on your life. You have never cried out to Him for forgiveness. You've never repented of your sin. You might do some good things. In fact, you might attend church but yet you have never come to a place where you've opened your heart and you're following the call to follow Jesus. Because when that happens, the Spirit of God comes and He lives, takes residence. That's just incredible. He comes and takes residence in your life and He begins to change you inside out. And you, all of a sudden, at times you're like, I would never have forgiven that person for that. But I am compelled to forgive that person for that. I would have never loved that person, that type of a person, whatever. And yet I am inwardly compelled to love that person. The deal is, if that is not the case. I mean, what's keeping you from even right now? Of saying, Jesus, forgive me. I want to be a follower of yours. I want the Spirit of God to live in me and help break these habits of sin in my life. I need to love my family 
my neighbors. I need to love my spouse. And I can't muster it up. I need your help. So maybe it's even that today. You just need to open your heart and say, yes, I want to be your follower this day. Would you bow your head with me? And all these, just all these is your invitation. Maybe it's not one particular thing, but there are many things you and I need to say yes to. The truth is, if you're a follower of Christ, if Paul said it, every one of us needs it to up the bar of our expression of love for others. It might be you just need to Talk with him, ask his forgiveness, ask him to fill you with his spirit, ask him to move in your life, to take whatever comfort zone you have of your love to one another and to break that and for it to be even more. Father, today, thank you that in your son Jesus, we have the incredible example of someone who is extraordinary, remarkable, did more than was expected, did more than was required. He stepped out. If he went the second mile, he went the tenth. Thank you for the example of your son, but... More than that, thank you that he can live inside of us. And when we submit, you can do that in us and through us for the sake of your name and for the good of other people. God, I pray this morning, if we have found ourselves to be in a rut, would you help us? Get out of the rut. Help us to love more and more. Ask this in your name. Amen.